Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists, faculty members, and your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Welcome back, Sasso Squad, and any new listeners to another episode of The Postgraduate Pharmacist, where we're all about helping you separate and stand out as you prepare for postgraduate training. From current events to expert advice, we bring you up-to-date content every other Monday related to postgraduate training. Join the Sasso Squad today and follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And check out our website at postgraduatepharmacist.com where you can get all of our latest content. If you love the show and want to support what we're doing, check out ways to spread the word on our website or buy us a cup of coffee. We could always use the caffeine. So this episode marks the start of our first major series. And it's about time that we did a major series. I feel like we've covered all the basics to postgraduate preparation in our episodes up to this point. So I'm excited for this major series. I know, right? We've gotten some good insider looks at specific topics, but we've never fully overhauled something like this. So pharmacy practice residencies or general PGY1s get most of the spotlight. It's time to shed some spotlight on other types of postgraduate training that are available. So we are calling this series our Alternate Pathways series, where we explore other ways you can set yourself up for a career as a postgraduate trained pharmacist. So get your champagne bottles ready. It's time to smash open the maiden voyage on this series with community pharmacy residencies. So I don't have any champagne here, but maybe uh, some of the coffee I have will will have to do for today, Taylor. Yeah, I brewed some coffee right (laughs) before this as well. So I think that'll have to do the trick at this point. So to help us launch this series, we have with us a very special guest hailing from the great state of Arkansas. We want to welcome Dr. Megan Smith, who is an assistant professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences College of Pharmacy and most importantly for us, residency program director for the UAMS College of Pharmacy community-based pharmacy residency. So Megan, it is great to have you join us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Megan, I'm excited to have you start this series with us. So as is tradition with this show, could you share your professional journey with us in postgraduate training? Absolutely. I have a quite a long path, and so I don't recommend it for everybody. It's not for everyone. So just to put that out there to begin with, I went to pharmacy school at the UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. I'm a born and raised North Carolinian. That's where I've always spent my whole life until I moved to Arkansas. And so I went to pharmacy school at UNC, graduated in 2013. I decided to complete a community-based residency program first year out. That was 2013 to 14. Then um, during that year, there was a lot of things I discovered about myself and new passions that arose. And so I decided to go into a fellowship program. And that was a two-year fellowship and community-based research at my alma mater at UNC, and that was ended in 2016. And so then I was on the prowl for my full-time position. What was I going to do and and completing my career aspirations? And I found that place and that home at UAMS, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, where I am currently. 
which makes you the perfect guest for this episode. So we're very excited to have you. So, all right, Taylor, I was able to tie a string around my coffee mug here to make this maiden voyage official. So let's do this. All right, let's get started. So, Megan, one of the questions I think we get most often is just pretty basic. What is a community pharmacy residency and how is it different than just moving directly into a community pharmacy career after graduation? That's a great question and one that I receive every year as well. So one thing I want to make clear is that there are accredited programs and there are non-accredited programs. And you may have already discussed this on previous podcasts. There are non-accredited programs that are community focused as well. What we are going to be talking about, and I'll be spending more the majority of our time today, is talking about accredited programs through ASHP. If it's in a community residency, it's also accredited jointly with APHA as well. And so the idea of these being an accredited program, it prepares you and allows you to be eligible for advanced postgraduate education if you wanted to further specialize into a PGY2, for example. So number one, it can get you there. It could also allow you to sit early for any board certifications that you may be interested in. So that's, you know, really the utility, I think, of a, of a residency and doing an accredited residency program. Why you might choose to do that instead of, yes, right now we can still graduate and go directly into community practice. The residency programs allow folks to get more time in developing their leadership and innovation and entrepreneurial skills within community pharmacy. So they get time in a structured learning environment to really learn how to develop and implement new patient care services. And that does make community-based residencies a little different than, say, our general pharmacy residencies that are usually based at health systems. We have a lot more objectives and time and learning experiences around the business of pharmacy, around how do you develop a new thing, how do you develop a business plan. That's a part of all of our standards that all of us have to do. That's not necessarily in the other type of the PGY-1 repetitive programs. So if you want to be a leader in community practice, you want to get right away to learn about how do you develop and implement a new program to maybe be a director of clinical services or to pave the new pathway within community pharmacy? The residency is usually a great way to go. And everyone has their own reasons of why they would want to do a residency. I can talk about my, my reasons. That's going to be unique to every person. I think what I've stated kind of gets the general like why it's a, you know, and who it might be appropriate for if that is your career aspiration to continue to drive and implement new things and develop new services. That's really where the residency can help you. There are plenty of folks I feel like the same that residency is not for everyone and it might not match with your career aspirations and that is okay. And that is why you don't have to do it. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the accreditation versus non-accreditation. You know, we talk about that a ton in our elective we teach, but we actually haven't dedicated a full episode on here to that. So I'm glad that you were able to talk about that a little bit. And I actually didn't know about the joint accreditation between APHA and ASHP. So that's new to me. So it sounds like if you're wanting that leadership role, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of students out there that want that leadership or want to have the ability to kind of move up in that practice area, this kind of sets the standards and allows them to have that real focused environment to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that makes a difference between the accredited versus maybe why someone might choose not to do an accredited program or even like a someone designing, whether they from the outset, they decide we're going to go through an accreditation process 
or not, is looking at the outcomes and goals of their program. So to be an accredited program, we are committed to providing 66% of a resident's time or two-thirds essentially of your time in direct patient care. That is the gold standard. That is the major emphasis of all residency programs, regardless if it's the pharmacy or community-based, is that you're going to really hone in your clinical skills and have direct patient care contact. So two-thirds of the of your resident's time is dedicated to patient care, and I have to make sure as a residency program director that my all of my sites have designed their learning experiences to match that. And the other one-third of a resident's time would be split between leadership topics, their research, and their teaching experiences. Now, there might be a program, and there's one, I think off the top of my head, that is an entrepreneurial residency, and that said, well, we want to spend less time on direct patient care and more time on business development. And so that was a strategic decision. It's not necessarily that you're, that the quality of the programs are different. It's just they have different goals and outcomes that they're wanting to achieve. That's great. You might have hit on this a little bit already, mm-hmm. but if you have an example of a student who is describing their career goals for you and your first thought is, well, a community practice pharmacy residency would be perfect for them, as in they have the fit, the perfect mold for achieving those career goals through a community pharmacy. Yeah, so students who come to me saying that they want to, they really want to advance their patient care skills. They're not exactly sure what leadership role they want, but they know they want to be in a leadership role within community pharmacy. And if they're interested in teaching, they're like, I think I want to teach. I might want to precept one day. I might want to go to a faculty position one day. I'm not really sure. Residency is going to help you really tease that out for you of what what your passions are, where you want to go from there. So if they're talking about things like that, they're passionate about community pharmacy for for sure. Number one, you have to to like what what it is. (laughs) You have to like what it is. But then those and really the candidates that I'm looking for as I'm interviewing folks is what do you know about this area? What do you know about the growth? And they're like, well, I know it's changing. I know there's a lot of stuff happening and I want to be a part of that change. Then a resident for you. And then I'm looking at you like, and you're a great candidate for me because I can help give you those tools and show you what's happening in the larger space and how you can impact change yourself on a, both locally at your site, but then give you the skills where you can take that on afterwards. You know, another kind of analogy is that a residency may be equivalent to three to five years of, of practice, right? Well, that's similar for the community programs as well as it was for the the pharmacy practice areas. There's just a lot that we are putting into that year. There's a lot to manage, a lot to balance. And so you do get a a really head start and a lot of growth in a lot of areas very, very quickly just because of the requirements that we bake into that one year. And that is everything from making sure you're a good pharmacist to practicing teaching, getting in front of a classroom right away. And so for some folks, that might be even the reason why they want to do a residency is they want to be exposed and have opportunities quickly. If you were to graduate, not do a residency, take a pharmacist position at a particular company, it might take you longer to get connected with a school of pharmacy to become a preceptor or to have a speaking opportunity or to get into CE. Like, that's going to be a longer path for you because you're going to have to navigate that on your own. Whereas during a residency, all of that is upfront and given to you saying, you've got to teach and you've got to put this in. Here's the presentations you're doing. And it really forces you and enables you to do it right away. Whereas you might not get that right away in that first year out, out in practice. 
that to me was one of the reasons why I did personally chose to do a residency was I felt like I needed a structured learning environment. I didn't quite feel like I was quote unquote ready. But now that I've talked to students all the time, like all of us feel that way. We all feel at graduation. We don't, we're not ready yet. We need more time. But that was one of the things that drew me to residency specifically is I knew that I would be with people who are going to continue to give me feedback. Be, a, be with me along the way that's interested in not just my professional development, my personal development as well. So I kind of have, you know, I'm not really losing the the comfort of a program being around me like I was in pharmacy school. Everybody's kind of looking out for you. Your professors are telling you what you need to focus on. And now going into residency, like, well, they'll get to keep, make sure that I'm in the right direction too. So that for, personally, that was one reason. And I've heard that from other folks, but people, people like me who like structure, who, who like to have folks looking out for them and watching over their backs and being their cheerleaders. Like, if you really like that, then um, you'll like the structure of a residency. That was similar to me with all my classmates feeling like, uh, have we learned anything yet? Are we ready to go out and, and practice right now? And that's a really scary thought. And uh, it is yeah. nice to have that okay, let me give me some more time to hone my skills where I still have that safety net of somebody making sure I'm doing it the right way. And it's not just kind of like, all right, after three months, you're you're on your own. Good luck. Uh, I'm glad that you talked about three to five years of clinical experience, because that was one of the things we wanted to know about today. So kind of follow up to that, similar to traditional residencies, is there a staffing component? And is generally is that staffing component different than some of the rotations and learning experiences that they'll have? Yes, there is a staffing component. Every program is going to be a little bit different in what that looks like. For my particular program, we kind of promise or even written into our contracts with our partners that there's a day a week. So it's an eight hours a day a week. However, I really liked what you just said about how does it match or complement the learning experience. Um, and I actually explained this yesterday to some, another pharmacy who was thinking about starting a residency. And I said, well, you get <laughs> one day of staffing at least. But during that staffing time, they're, they're still completing and honing their skills that you're going to assess. So it's kind of almost needed and you have to do it in order to meet your objectives and show that you're growing in your skill of providing patient-centered dispensing, the learning experience that we call it. And we're you know making sure that every, every patient that you check, every prescription that you check or patient that you talk to, that you're thinking about their whole care and other services that they might could benefit from and you know what what are ways that you can help them as a pharmacist. And so there are objectives related to that. So while you might be staffing, you're you're concurrently working on and kind of meeting your residency goals as well. But most of my sites, personally speaking on my sites, are, are about a day a week that they're, they know that they're going to be on the bench with patients in that setting. Because patient care, right, is very broad. You can perform patient care services and be in direct patient care in a variety of means. That could be providing medication therapy management, could be providing point of care testing, could be doing chart reviews for a nursing home, could be, I mean, all of these things. So you'll get a variety of, of experiences and ways that you're interacting with patients. For my residents, they can expect that they're also going to be staffing that, that piece about a day a week. Sometimes what we'll do, depending on the site, and what works best for my pharmacies is we might combine some of that time, like put it all together up front, just because some of my sites have like multiple sites that we're doing. And so they might spend one quarter really focused on those skills and honing in that. And then they'll spend the, another quarter more on operations management where they're touring other pharmacies and doing audit visits and things. So 
it might vary from site to site exactly of does that week look this does your weekly schedule look the same all year long or did we kind of mismatch it to make things match a little bit easier for you on location and preceptorship that's all great and you're getting me excited you're making me kind of want to go back and do a community <laughs> pharmacy residency my wife would probably kill me but um they're a lot of fun <laughs> Before we get to our next questions, we I don't know if you're aware, but we like to have a trivia section. It's our most famous segment of our podcast. So we have a few trivia questions for you all. I did see that you did your training in North Carolina. So my question, it has to do with North Carolina. More about a, a game or a leisure activity that was created in North Carolina in 1954 by Don Clayton. My question is, what was this activity? Probably one of the greatest activities, in my opinion. Is it putt-putt, bowling, bumper cars, or laser tag? Not the answer choices I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> um, hold on. Okay, I'm going to go with bowling. I was going to say putt-putt because I was like, oh, it's that one until you said laser tag. Now it really threw me off. I I'm going to go with putt-putt. That's my all-time favorite. Well, we'll have to have a showdown, Smith Gull. Um, <laughs> putt putt is the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. Him. So back in 1954 in Fayetteville, Don Clayton created putt putt golf. Really? That's insane. Yep. I didn't know that. I didn't either, but now I'm even more proud of North Carolina. Go. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a North Carolina question too. So mine is, uh, it's not about putt putt, but North Carolina is known for its basketball teams, which is where I thought Taylor was going with this question too. was basketball or baseball or something like that. But it's also known for its love of the color blue. Now, I'm not going to make any enemies today by picking which shade of blue is my favorite color blue. But I do want to talk about one of those particular shades, and that's the Carolina blue. So Carolina blue, as I'm sure you are aware, Megan, is associated with UNC and the color is so well liked, it's made its way on some interesting places. So which non-university, and this is the key, non-university, because everything on the university has Carolina blue. So right. which non-university vehicle in Chapel Hill is also sporting the famous Carolina blue? Is it armored cars, police cars, ambulances, or fire trucks? Oh. Yikes. And I could be wrong. I try to do diligence with my research here, but I might I be wrong. <laughs> I was th I was thinking, wow, our um, public transit buses are all wrapped in that too, and they're technically not the university. Uh -huh, um, and that's why I didn't put them in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now, my husband was a firefighter in there, and he but he was in Carborough, which is a little subset right next to it. And they still had red trucks. I think there were a couple in the Metro Center, Center that are blue. So I'm going to say fire trucks. Okay. Um, I'm going to say police cars. I have no idea, but I'm going to need you to check your sources and cite them and send them to me <laughs> in a bibliography. Well, I think you should trust the, the person whose husband is a firefighter because she is correct. And it is fire trucks. The fire trucks in Chapel Hill are Carolina Blue. And, uh, and I tried to do my best to make sure none of these other vehicles were, which is when I found I had city buses as an option. And then I was like, nope, those are Carolina blue, too. So, uh, yeah, it is fire truck. I thought you had just said that I was just copycatting. Um, <laughs> so I tried to go different. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We have a few more questions for you, Megan. So you kind of hit on this already. And I, I just kind of want to ask to maybe expand on it a little bit. So you mentioned like there's different types or emphasis 
point of community pharmacy residencies. Some are more patient care focused. Some are more maybe entrepreneurial business development type programs. So how is your program structured more specifically? And is that more customizable to residents? Are they able to kind of adjust their experiences based on what they're interested in? Or does it is it kind of set for them? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And just to clarify, were you meaning about patient care emphasis versus entrepreneurial? That's back to the discussion of if it's an accredited or non-accredited program. If we're talking about accredited PGY-1 programs through AFHP and APHA, they're all required to have two-thirds of their time in direct patient care. Now, of that, the community-based residency program standards and definitions can be any ambulatory outpatient site, okay? So the one maybe generalizing way you could think of the difference between the PGY-1 pharmacy and the PGY-1 community-based is PGY-1 pharmacy being maybe more inpatient and the other one being any ambulating person. So community-based residency programs can either be out of like FQHCs or a primary care or there's some that are even in outpatient hospitals that are looking outside their doors and taking care of ambulating patients. So if you think maybe more of people that are up and walking, they're going to be the community-based program. The way that my site is structured, the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is the sponsoring organization of a multi-site program. So that means I have six different pharmacy partners that I oversee, and I have eight positions among those six partners. Other multi-site residency programs, so when you're maybe looking and comparing them and asking questions at mid-year, you could should ask them if they're multi-site, you know, where are you spending your time? One difference is, and I know of another program who multi-site like I am, they have several different pharmacy sites, well, their residents rotate between each ones and they spend different times at each of the different sites. Mine is not like that. Um, Mine is structured where if you match with one of my sites, let's say it's Walmart, then you're going to be at Walmart for the entire Mm -hmm. year. Now, I do have a lot of things kind of built into my structure to to learn with and from each other and feel like you're part of a class, but you're not going to be rotating across all of the sites. There is some individualization. We talk about this at the beginning of the year, and then I check in quarterly about, you know, how the year is going and what do we need more of, less of. Do you, are you feeling good, resident? And what are your personal goals? Is there anything that we need to adjust for your experience? So in that way, it is a individualized, but it's not as far as kind of the major pieces of you're matched to a site, you're going to, that's your site for the, your home base for the whole year. You could do some elective experiences outside of that site. That's a way that you can individualize it as well. I can't even begin to fathom how you maintain all that and operate and organize and, and do everything. I, I feel like I'm back in school again, too, because I'm learning so much. I'm just, <laughs> I, never, yeah, I didn't absolutely. know any of this. Yeah, it's very, I, I think the, the best answer is because I, I really love it. I enjoy it. I see a lot of value that this brings to both the business, the pharmacy and the practice of community pharmacy practice and the individual growth of residents. Like it is a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of organization. But I think that that's what drives me to it is I just see so much benefit to both parties and that they benefit too from having me a person that is not in their day-to-day behind their you know underneath their seats kind of thing but they're dated but I'm kind of helping keeping their administration up and running and keeping the accountability and making sure we're dotting all of our I's and crossing all of our T's so the way I describe it to our uh, when I'm meeting 
candidates on their interview. It's like, hi, I'm Megan Smith. I'm the RPD. I'm more of the administrator of all of this. And we'll make sure that we have all of our documents and all of our evaluations are happening. You have my cell phone. You can email, talk, text me anytime. I'm available for you, but you will not be spending your day to day with me. Your day to day is with your site coordinator. And then you're going to see me every month. I do lead a long, a longitudinal seminar series for half a day every month. That's where I get all of my residents together so we can learn and talk about each other and talk about all the longitudinal things and keep them on task. But that's the main way that I interact with my residency class is through those monthly seminars and then, of course, emails and texts. And I do newsletters and I do you know things to just keep everyone up to, up to date. I have one more question for you that'll kind of be a segue into the rest of our episodes for this series. But what kind of career path would you say a community pharmacy residency open up for your residents? Great question. And as we started the episode today, performing and being part of a, a PGY-1 accredited residency allows you and sets you up for postgraduate training if you want to specialize. So that's one area. And I personally had a few residents who've gone straight into PGY-2s, and we can talk about that at a later date. And then other careers uh, really depends on the interest of the resident. Some examples I've had with people go straight into faculty positions, people go into clinical managing positions and or working with primary care position offices is one of my past residents of that. And some of my past residents own their own their own pharmacies now. There are past community residents across the nation who are working for insurance companies and on benefit management. And there's some, I mean, there's just a wide variety of things. There's one of mine that works in a health system now on IT and helping to make sure that the communication and all of the IT infrastructure is set up to communicate with outside pharmacies. Like that's just one of her jobs. That's a really neat one. But the one that I think is what I, I find really exciting for our new graduates is that a lot of these positions were not there when the residents started or when they were in school. They are creating a new path. And that's exactly where we're going in the community pharmacy practice arena anyway, is what what is a community pharmacist? And so I see a lot of our graduates are paving the way and making new positions that didn't exist when they were there. And some of those are at the companies that they did their residency at. They were able to create a niche, bring something new, develop a new product or service at that place. And then there's companies like, well, I don't want this to go away. So they'll hire them to keep it going. And so there's a lot of examples too of just students being able to, and residents being able to create their own path and create new jobs that, that didn't exist before. Yeah. Well, these companies want these things. And I mean, who are they going to turn to to do them? And that's, I mean, here's a perfect person who's been highly right. trained to do this. And that's the thing. They're like, we, these are the goals we want to achieve. Who can help us achieve them? And you have this person saying, Hey, I, you know, I know how to do this or I could figure this out. So that's, that is amazing. Well, I, I would have a million questions for you and I don't, I don't want to end this episode, but we, we just have to for the sake of time. But is there any advice you'd leave our Sasso squad with or any last minute tips for our Sasso squad? For, for those who are in pharmacy school right now, I would say to keep exploring, ask questions. Um, and it's not too late. I find a lot of folks are thinking, I've missed the boat because I'm a third year. Well, no, you have not. <laughs> and I want to give that comfort to, to you guys. If you make the decision to go into a residency during your fourth year, you have not missed the boat. You are perfectly poised to apply and please do that and follow your dream. Well, that is perfect advice. And thank you so much, Megan. It was a pleasure having you on the show today. We look forward to hearing from you again in a later episode. Thank you so much. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. 
You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.